Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today, my very first guest, is Cindy Burnett. The host of the wonderful bookish podcast, Thoughts from a Page, Cindy interviews all sorts of authors and people in the book industry. I always enjoy her book recommendations. And today, Cindy shares a few of her favorites that will be published the first quarter of this year. Cindy, welcome to the inaugural episode of Who I Met Today. Hi, Pam. I am thrilled to pieces to be here. Thank you for asking me to be your inaugural guest. Well, I'm so excited to talk with you. There's nothing I'd rather do on this cold, dreary Nashville afternoon than talk about books. I always love your opinions. We seem to have very similar book interests, and I especially love listening to your podcast, Thoughts from a Page. You know, I'm a big people story person, and I just think it's fascinating to hear the stories of how the authors brought their books into the world and the inspiration for the book. So for those listeners that have not listened to your podcast and aren't familiar with what you do, could you give me a cocktail version of your background and how you got to be a podcaster? Absolutely. So about five or six years ago, I started reviewing books. I kind of fell into it through a friend. It's a long story, but the short story is I started reviewing books, started getting to know some authors. I launched a literary salon here in Houston in I think it was 2017, and that was so successful. The first one that my friend and I decided to kind of make that a thing. So we host seven to eight authors a year at her home, bringing in a variety of people. And when COVID hit, I thought, you know, I need something to focus on. I love books. I write book columns. I do all these various things. Why don't I turn that into a podcast? It will give me something to focus on. People were looking for things to listen to. So I used my skills as an interviewer from the salon and just turned it into the podcast. How do you reach out to the authors that you have as guests on your show? Well, that is a more complicated question than it would seem like it should be. It really happens so many different ways. I get pitched probably 10 to 15 books a day. And so I weed through all of those emails. Some are ones that just don't appeal to me, aren't my genres, aren't published in a physical form because I stick with physical form books, just a variety of things. So I weed through those and I will decide whether a book sounds good to me. I will ask them to send it to me. I'll read it. And if I like it, then I say, yes, I'd love to interview the author. And then there are also times when I'm sent a book or someone's talking about a book somewhere and I track it down on NetGalley or some other way, read it and love it. And then I reach out to the publicist. So it really widely varies. It can be any number of ways. And what is NetGalley? So NetGalley is a digital platform that was set up years and years ago when ebooks became popular. And it's a place for media and booksellers and book reviewers to have access to digital copies versus physical copies. I'm not a huge digital reader. I will read digitally. I prefer physically, but it was a godsend during COVID when they were everything was shut down and there were no physical copies. So it's a great way to get ahead. And sometimes like my husband goes to sleep before I do. So I will read digitally at night. But so it's just another way to access books. 
And are you an audiobook fan? You know, I don't do a ton of audiobooks. I do nonfiction usually if I do audiobooks, but I've been trying to integrate that more. And Cindy, you put out two podcasts a week. Is that correct? That's exactly right. So Tuesday is a traditional publication day. So I chose Tuesday because new books are always coming out on Tuesdays. And then I picked Friday because it's the end of the week separated from Tuesday. And when I first started, I thought I will never be able to fill two episodes a week. But I literally could do an episode a day if I had the time and the ability to read that many books and the ability to have them all edited (laughs) and record that many interviews. But it's just amazing. So many books come out all the time. And it's interesting to learn about different books and, and to highlight them. I only highlight things that I have read and loved. And I feel like I read a lot. But for you to do two podcasts a week means you have to read two books a week. How do you do all you do? What's Give me an example of the structure of a couple of days in your life. Well, I read about between 15 and 25 books a month. It really depends on the month, the length of the books, everything that's going on. I, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. <laughs> I just, I mean, that's partly why the digital is helpful too, because it's on my phone. I visited my daughter in New York last weekend and I ended up on the subway a lot. And I just kept pulling it out and reading 10 minutes here and 15 minutes here. And, you know, it's just, I always have a book in my purse. I mean, so it's just kind of a constant thing for me. I mean, people laugh, my hairdresser and the, you know, salon I go to and all these different things. They're always like, we know you're going to have a book in your hand. So that's part of it. But the structure of my day varies widely. I always try to read two to three hours a day. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but it does most days. And then sometimes I have interviews. I have really varied how I do that. Now I try to put a bunch of interviews on the same day. I have found if I do three or four in one day, it takes up less time than if I put one across four days each, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Kind of streamlining things. Absolutely. Just kind of get in the groove and keep going. I'm a little talked out by the end of the day, but it works better than just sticking one on each of those days. What kind of books do you like to read? Your favorite genre? I'm all over the place. So I love historical fiction. I have really always loved mysteries, and that's been resonating with me a lot lately. I have a lot going on, and the mysteries seem to kind of pull me out of this world and into another world really well. I like contemporary fiction. Not much in the way of rom-coms. I will read occasional romance, but not very many. I love narrative nonfiction. I like speculative fiction. So it really, it's more than anything for me, it's a good story and good writing. I know that one of my very favorite authors, Fiona Davis, is a historical fiction author, came out with a new book, I believe it was last year, called The Magnolia Palace, based on a story revolving around the Frick Collection in New York City. And in her acknowledgments, she thanked you for all you've done for the author community. Did you know about that before you got your hands on the book, or was that a total surprise for you? It was a total surprise for me, but even more than it being a total surprise for me, I had read the book. I had not read the acknowledgments because I read it digitally initially, and I just didn't get, I mean, I always read acknowledgments, but for some reason I hadn't read her, so I didn't know till someone else pointed it out to me. That had to make you feel so good. It was so nice. I love Fiona. She's one of my favorites. Her parents live here in Houston, so when I was working at Murder by the Book, I would see her regularly. I've interacted with her at a lot of book conferences. We've hosted her for our salon, so she's just delightful, and I'm really looking forward to her new book, which will be out next year. Oh, I can't wait. It's a story about the Rockettes, correct? That's right. Radio City Musical. Oh, I think it sounds great. 
Well, I know that you have read lots of books that come out the first quarter of this year, and you've picked some favorites to share with listeners today. So let's get started. Absolutely. I have a number of books, some of which I've read and some of which I'm looking forward to. The first is The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise by Colleen Oakley, and it comes out March 28th. 21-year-old Tanner Quimby needs a place to live, preferably one where she can continue sitting around in sweatpants and playing video games 19 hours a day. Since she has no credit or money to speak of, her options are limited, so when an opportunity to work as a live-in caregiver for an elderly woman falls into her lap, she takes it. One slip on the rug, that's all it took for Louise Wilt's daughter to demand that Louise have a full-time nanny living with her. Never mind that she can still walk fine, finish her daily crossword puzzle, and pour the two fingers of vodka she drinks every afternoon. The two start off their living arrangement happily ignoring each other until Tanner starts to notice things, weird things. Like, why does Louise keep her garden shed locked up tighter than a prison? And why is the local news fixated on the suspect of one of the biggest jewelry heists in American history who looks eerily like Louise? And why does Louise suddenly appear in her room with a packed bag at 1 a.m. insisting that they leave town immediately? So this book sounded like so much fun to me, and it did not disappoint. I read it in like a day and a half, and I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. I'm a huge fan of intergenerational stories, and this one is a standout. And that is The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise by Colleen Oakley. And that one comes out in March. Is that correct? March 28th. Although this book doesn't come out until March, we can still pre-order a book. And I know that that is very important to authors. I've always heard that anyway. Can you tell us why that's important? Pre-orders are important for authors? I absolutely can. Because... Authors want to hit bestseller lists, the New York Times, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, and the best time to hit the list is the first week that a book comes out. So when you pre-order the book, you've ordered it ahead of time, but the sales don't actually go in until the day of publication. So all those pre-orders build up to go toward a first day sale, and that really can help an author push up onto a list. And does it matter where you pre-order, Amazon or your local bookstore? Not for the most part. That's a little bit more complicated answer, but some bookstores, very few, are not reporting stores. So if you're really trying to hit the New York Times list, then you need to be ordering from an indie store that's a reporting store. But most big indie stores are reporting stores. But no, in general, it doesn't really matter where you pre-order from. I always support indie bookstores, so I think they are so important. It's one of my constant mantras is that you really need to be supporting these local businesses, keep them in business. They provide such a benefit to every community. So I always say, please order from an indie bookstore or bookshop.org, but it doesn't matter for purposes of the numbers. Okay, thank you. What do you have next? So my next one is The Exiles by Jane Harper, which comes out January 31st. At a busy festival site on a warm spring night, a baby lies alone in her pram, her mother vanishing into the crowds. A year on, Kim Gillespie's absence cast a long shadow as her friends and loved ones gather deep in the heart of South Australian wine country to welcome a new addition to the family. Joining the celebrations is federal investigator Aaron Falk. But as he soaks up life in the lush valley, he begins to suspect this tight-knit group may be more fractured than it seems. Between Falk's close friend, a missing mother, and a woman he's drawn to, dark questions linger as long-ago truths begin to emerge. 
So Jane Harper is right up there with Fiona Davis. For me, they are probably my all-time two favorite authors. And this book is such a standout. She has written a series about Aaron Falk. This is the third and probably final in the series. And it is just so well done. And I just found out today that we are hosting her for my literary salon in February. And I'm just beside myself. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I love Jane Harper. She's also one of my favorite authors. I would make a trip back to Houston to go to that literary salon. The Aaron Fox series is great. The first one, if readers haven't read it, is called The Dry. Really a good book. And it's been made into a movie that my husband and I watched and both really enjoyed. Force of Nature is the second one in the series. And I just got that off hold from the library. So I'm excited to tackle that. I love both of those books. And then she has two standalones that she did in between. And now she had so many people clamoring for Aaron that she's bringing him back for this one. Ah, <laughs> what's next on your list? Okay, the next book is The Dust Child by Win Fawn Kwe Mai, and it comes out March 14th. In 1969, two sisters, desperate to help their parents pay off debts, leave their rural village and become bar girls in Saigon drinking, flirting, and more with American GIs in return for money. As the war moves closer to the city, one of the sisters, Trang, gets swept up in an irresistible romance with a young and charming American helicopter pilot, Dan. Decades later, Dan returns to Vietnam with his wife, Linda, hoping to find a way to heal from his PTSD and, unbeknownst to her, reckon with secrets from his past. At the same time, Thong, the son of a Black American soldier and a Vietnamese woman, embarks on a search to find both of his parents and a way out of Vietnam. Abandoned in front of an orphanage, Fong grew up being called the dust of life, Black American imperialist and child of the enemy, and he dreams of a better life for himself and his family in the U.S. Kwe Mai is another one of my favorites. Her first book, The Mountain Sing, is just stunning. It was probably my top read the year that it came out, and it remains one of my top books. I recommend it to people all of the time. She's just such a beautiful writer. And this one is Dust Child by Win Fawn Kwe Mai. I look forward to reading that. I don't think I've read another book based on that time and place. And I definitely haven't read her other book either. So I'll look into that. Oh, you definitely need to. It's just beautiful. She's a poet. Her native language is Vietnamese. And so this was her first novel to write and her first time to write in English, which was a second language for her. You will be amazed when you read her writing. And we're actually hoping to host her in March. We're working on it. I was very impressed with how you pronounced her name, Cindy. Well, it's only because she's actually a friend of mine at this point, and I communicate with her regularly, and I got her to practice it with me a number of times, and we hosted her online during COVID. So my next one is The Sweet Spot by Amy Popel, which comes out January 31st. In the heart of Greenwich Village, three women form an accidental sorority when a baby, belonging to exactly none of them, lands on their collective doorstep. Lauren and her family have been granted the use of a spectacular brownstone, teeming with history and dizzyingly unattractive 70s wallpaper. Adding to the home's bohemian grungy splendor is the bar occupying the basement, a dive called the sweet spot. Within days of moving in, Lauren discovers that she has already made an enemy in the neighborhood by inadvertently sparking the divorce of a couple she has never actually met. Melinda's husband of 30 years has dumped her for a young celebrity entrepreneur named Felicity, and to Melinda's horror, the lovebirds are soon to become parents. Melinda wreaks havoc wherever she can, including in Felicity's Soho boutique, where she has a fit of epic proportions, which happens to be caught on film. 
When Melinda's ex follows his lover across the country, leaving their squalling baby behind, the three women rise to the occasion in order to forgive, to forget, and to track down the wayward parents. So again, another author that I'm a huge fan of, Amy Popel. I have read all three of her previous books and I adore them. She was actually one of the two authors that we hosted for our inaugural salon and people just loved her as well. And every time I mention her, somebody will bring up one of her books and how much they liked it. And I do a special Patreon early reads program for my podcast where we read a book a month ahead and meet with the author before it's published. And Amy's book is our early January read. I read Musical Chairs and really enjoyed that. And listeners, I will put the names of the books that we've talked about during this episode in the show notes. You'll have a handy reference. And Limelight is my favorite of hers because I am such a Broadway fanatic. And so it's based on a Justin Bieber-like character starring in a Broadway show. And it is just delightful. It is so much fun. And she did all this great research, really brings the theater world to life. So it's just such a fun read. And I have that one and haven't read it yet. So good to know. I'll move it up in my stack. What do you have next for us, Cindy? So my next one is Go is a River by Shelley Reed, and it comes out March 7th. Victoria Nash is just a teenager in the 1940s, but she runs the household on her family's peach farm in the ranch town of Iola, Colorado the sole surviving female in a family of troubled men. Wilson Moon is a young drifter with a mysterious past, displaced from his tribal land in the Four Corners region, who wants to believe one place is just like another. When Victoria encounters Will on a street corner, their unexpected connection ignites as much passion as danger and as many revelations as secrets. Victoria flees into the beautiful but harsh wilderness of the nearby mountains when tragedy strikes. Living in a small hut, She struggles to survive in the unforgiving conditions with no clear notion of what her future will be. What happens afterward is her quest to regain all that she has lost, even as the Gunnison River rises to submerge her homeland. Go as a River is a story of love and loss, but also of finding home, family, resilience, and love where it is least expected. This debut is stunning. It had been sent to me and I'd heard a little bit about it and I was like, well, that sounds good. And they're analogizing it to a little bit to where the crawdads sing just because of the young woman on her own out in nature. But this is in the mountains of Colorado and the story is very different. But I was like, hmm. And then I sat in on an author event last week with her and she was talking about the book and all of these booksellers were raving. It's been sold in so many territories. It's already had the movie rights sold. So I was like, I'll try it. I couldn't put it down. It is so good. And that is Go as a River by Shelley Reed. Oh, I can't wait to read that. So the movie rights have been sold. Do you know to whom? I don't know because I really couldn't ask that. It was on this huge event with all these booksellers and I didn't even be like, oh, who bought them? But they've sold it in over 20 territories already. So, I mean, that's really pretty great for a book that's months out from publication. Well, and especially for a debut author. Yes. And she's, I think, in her 60s. That's the other reason I think for the crawdads seeing is that she's a little bit older as well. But truly, I don't think the stories have much in common other than a woman of about the same age living out in, you know, on her own for a while. Cindy, do you have an author that you haven't met yet and you'd love to sit down and grab a coffee with someday? Does it have to be somebody that's alive? No. Well, Jane Austen is one of my favorites. So I would always pick Jane Austen in that instance because 
I love her and I would love to talk with her about her books and how they still resonate today, you know, over 200 years later and they've been copied and rethought and reimagined. And I just wonder if she ever had any inkling of what kind of mark she was leaving on the world. Do you have a favorite Jane Austen book? Pride and Prejudice and Persuasion. I have to put them together because it really depends. I love them both and I love certain adaptations of them. And so I just really depends on exactly when you ask me, but those are my two favorites. Cindy, for newcomers to your podcast, do you have suggestions for where they should begin? What episodes they should start with? Sure. So when I first started, I only did author interviews. After about six months, I morphed into a separate, also second type of episode, which is kind of a roundup type thing where I bring on a guest, either Elizabeth Barnhill or Kelly Hooker usually, and we talk about our favorites from a window of time or in a certain genre. So if somebody's really looking for a list of books to read, or they're struggling to try to find something to read, one of those episodes with Elizabeth Barnhill or with Kelly Hooker would be great because we both talk through 10 or 12 books each, recommending them and why we like them a little bit of what I was doing today. But then I also have several hundred author interviews. So if you've read a book and you want to learn more about why the author made certain choices or where they got their ideas, or even if you haven't read a book and you're trying to find something to read, because my episodes are always spoiler-free, it's a great way to kind of, you know, learn about a book, decide whether it sounds good to you. And if you're doing that, I would pick Bonnie Garmus, Lessons in Chemistry. Loved that book. Also being made into an Apple TV show with Brie Larson. And I love what you do at the end of the episodes where you always ask the authors what they're reading. And that's how I find out about a lot of good books, too. They always have wonderful suggestions. I agree with you. That's actually another way that I find books that I might want to read and then talk to the author. And a lot of times authors will put me in contact with other authors in terms of lining up additional interviews that way. But I agree. When I was trying to get situated to do the podcast, somebody gave me the advice, always end your episode the same way and ask the same question. So I thought long and hard, like, what's the same question I could ask every single author? And I thought, oh, ask them what they've been reading. And it's one of my favorite parts of the episode. Well, and you were the one that gave me the suggestion to always end your episode the same way. And so I am going to ask all of my guests for one new thing. I'm a big believer in doing new things. So would you be willing to share something new, large or small, that you've discovered or done lately that's been new to you? Absolutely. And I love that. I think that will be a great way for you to end your podcast episodes. So for me, we just got a Peloton treadmill and I have never done classes at home. You know, I've always gone to like SoulCycle or ages ago, jazzercise or, you know, various different types of workout classes, but I've never participated in a class from my home. And so I was like, well, a friend of mine recommended it. She's like, I really think you're going to like it. It kind of adds a lot to the experience of walking on a treadmill. And we were like a day away from buying this other treadmill. And I'd gone out for this girls night thing. And she was telling me all about it. And I said to my husband, halt, like I need to go look at these Peloton treadmills. So about a month ago, we got it. And I have been doing that lately. And I love it. And there's so many great options. So that's been a great new thing for me. Good for you. Now, do you do classes where they have light weights or where you run and then walk or what kind of classes do they have for that? 
Well, they do have everything you're describing and they have live classes and they have the classes they record. So the three things I have done so far is I participate in a class, but not while it's live. I've just done it later. And they're almost all walking classes is what I've been doing. Then they also have this really cool whole section of what they call guided walks and they're through nature. So I've done the Scottish Highlands and I've done the Utah National Parks and somebody's walking you through it, telling you what incline to put it on, telling you what speed. And then they have a third group that are not guided and they're just through all these beautiful parts of the world. And I have done those where I just set my own speed, my own incline, do whatever I want, listen to my own music. But I have this beautiful view because the screen is huge on the Peloton. How long do you usually walk? Usually between 30 and 50 minutes. It depends. Good for you. I know Peloton, I'm not doing a commercial, but they have a lot of other cool apps that go along with the membership for yoga and Pilates and bar classes and strength classes. And you really can do your workout at home. You really can. And they send you all these great encouraging emails and they're like, or, you know, notifications through the app. And they're like, don't forget, you're like, you know, you've done a class a week for however many weeks now. You don't want to break your stride or we think you'd like this class. And I'm not doing a commercial either, but I am loving it. They also have all these book groups. So I participate in the Peloton book club on no Facebook way. now. And I participate in some other Peloton group they have. So yeah, it's been really fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's an active group, the Peloton book club group. So that has been a ton of fun for me. I've met a whole new group of people. And again, you know, learning about books I'm maybe not familiar with. Well, Cindy, I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately, we have to wrap this up. Thank you for all the great suggestions, and I hope listeners will find you at Thoughts from a Page on Instagram and Facebook, and check out your podcast, thoughtsfromapage.com. Well, again, I am thrilled to pieces to be your inaugural guest, and I could talk to you all day, and I know your podcast is going to be a huge success, and thanks for having me on, Pam. And I'll see you with Jane Harper. I cannot wait. Thanks, Cindy. Well, that's it for today's show. A huge thank you to Cindy for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.